with all of this foundation laid, I want to just talk today pretty much about a warning. Okay. I'm going to conclude with a warning to every listener and person who's a part of Foothills Christian Church. And that is because even when we are focused on doing these things and being these kind of people to produce this kind of fruit, drawing closer to Jesus, my church is on mission. These are my priorities. We are winning the hearts and minds of people. That's what's happening. We're growing the kingdom of God because their eternal home is just as important as the earthly home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you have to do the work yourself. It is not Mm -hmm. something you can order out for. It's not something you can have (laughs) Amazon primed to your doorstep. Instead, it is something you have to go out and do the work, but you do not have to do it alone. We can come alongside you to challenge you, encourage you, teach you to critically think for yourself so that when you're asked what you believe and why you believe it, you have an answer. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. So good to be with you, everyone. I've just been really excited about how uh, interesting and uh, influential, I guess you might say, the the uh, impact that this series has had on so many different people. Your comments, your input, your feedback has been Phenomenal. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad that uh, we're able to dig into this. And one of the things that I like about this more than anything else is that you take a, a, a hot topic, something that people are wrestling with, and then people can see, oh, the Bible speaks to this. Mm. Now, I can't say, what does the Bible say on politics and go to a passage on, this is how you're supposed to handle politics. You can't look it up in the index in the back <laughs> yeah. and say, this is oh, how you politics. handle politics. But what happens is, you know, when you're reading the Bible, particularly the New Testament, and it impacts your frame of reference, your values align more with the values of Jesus, you know a little bit more, then what happens? is then okay now we're going to study it you go oh okay yeah this makes perfect sense oh these are the conclusions and what you're doing is you're training yourself to think critically and make uh conclusions based on what i would call spiritual criteria spiritual criteria means there's absolute truth there is a component of logic reason there is all of these things right that make it spiritual which is powerful so anyway that's what i'm loving about this series I agree. I think everyone is really enjoying it. I mean, watching the discussion question groups mm-hmm. that uh, oh, those have been awesome. Right after the service, those people mm-hmm. are really engaging with these questions and the topics that we're talking about. And I mean, honestly, as the producer, I'm like, we got to cut it off at 15 minutes because we got another stream <laughs> to start, and they just want to keep talking about it, which yeah. you know is a good thing. It's hard for That's me to tell thing. people to stop talking when they're discussing such deep yeah. and important topics. Yes. So yes. I'm excited, and I've really been enjoying it as well. We are in the last week of this series though. And I yes, think there's going to be people that are sad to see it go, but <laughs> I want to know how are we wrapping this up, pastor? You, you've talked to the church, you talked to the individual. We did a little Bible study on Tuesday. What's the grand finale for this series that we've been going through? Well, I want everybody to leave and remember just the basic biblical core values, the best way to navigate any situation in your life, whether it be political or otherwise, is to start with those core values. That's upstream Mm. thinking, right? And it impacts your downstream. So the more you focus on your values, that upstream stuff that's aligned with Christ, you're going to find yourself making so many better decisions in life than you could ever imagine. And so many of your problems start to go away. And what are the 
core values. Jesus Christ is the Lord and King of his church. He started it. It belongs to him. He empowers it. It's grown to the largest community of people in the world has ever known. It's the most influential community that the world has ever known. You cannot extrapolate out the kingdom of God here on earth, started by Jesus Christ um, from world history. You just mm. cannot do it. And over the last 2000 years, its influence is unmistakable and its size is unmistakable. Therefore, politicians, kings, rulers, dictators, and anybody else, every charlatan you can imagine, uh, wants to use it for political or personal circumstances or purposes. Never forget this. Never forget people want to use it for their own design. Whenever anybody says Jesus would vote this way or Jesus is telling you to do this or to buy that thing or to think that way, you should be skeptical mm. because the church belongs to Jesus, doesn't belong to anybody else. And when people stand up and say, well, Jesus told me to tell you this, you should be skeptical. Well, and politicians love to hold up their Bible, sometimes the right direction, <laughs> and <laughs> say they know what it says in there, but more often than not, that thing hasn't been cracked in yeah, quite, quite a, a while. few years. That's right. The second core value, I think, is if you want to see a downstream shift in our culture and politics, then you should push your church to stay on mission and preach the gospel, and you should fund it and give to it, make it happen, because the healthier churches are, guess what? The healthier the downstream is is. So mm. every politician should go out of their way to try to help the church. This is also why in politics today, this is a side note, is that leftists in politics do everything they can to separate church and state because they want it to be defunded and unhealthy because it is the one thing that often is in the way of what they're trying Unless to achieve. It's voting season and then yeah. they have a little bit of, oh, this person goes to church sometimes yeah. <laughs> just to pick up those evangelical votes. They got to make sure. But yes. as soon as they get an office, they want to make sure that there's a very clear distinction between yeah. this oh, and Oh, we don't this. listen. Yeah, so and that's really kind of sad. Third, your primary goal in life should be to grow to maturity of faith in Jesus Christ. You want to be really influential as a politician, if you're a politician. If you want to be a really influential doctor, a lawyer, if you want to be an influential anything, coach, teacher, uh, plumber, electrician, whatever it might be, <laughs> then the best thing to do is grow to faith uh, maturity of faith in Jesus Christ. That one focus will produce more fruit in your life than anything else. It will also produce more political influence than anything else. And the fruit of that goal will be maturity, strength, endurance, wisdom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, forbearance, stability, and more. So the more you can grow closer to Christ, the better the fruit in your life in every area. Uh, number four, the best way to have a powerful political impact is to keep your focus on heavenly outcomes, right? And heavenly things constantly think upstream about your clarifying values. And that's really important because just think about this. If a person runs for political office for the purpose of personal gain or power, you don't really want to vote for that person, do you? But isn't that an altruism? Mm. When you go see a doctor, do you want to go see a doctor who's only a doctor because he or she wants to make more money? Do you want to go see a lawyer who says the only reason I'm a lawyer is so that I can get rich? That's not really a, a, a solid benefit to yeah. their mindset. They don't care about you. They care about how much can you pay them? Yeah. And so and it's the same way in politics. So that's kind of an altruism across the board uh, for you. So, and we see this, um, you know, as the foundation of how to be politically active. Mm. And so with all of this foundation laid, I want to just talk today pretty much about a warning. 
Okay. I'm going to conclude with a warning to every listener and person who's a part of Foothills Christian Church. And that is because even when we are focused on doing these things and being these kind of people to produce this kind of fruit, drawing closer to Jesus, my church is on mission. These are my priorities. We are winning the hearts and minds of people. That's what's happening. We're growing the kingdom of God because their eternal home is just as important as the earthly home, right? Mm. Even though we're doing all of that, we must be aware that there are enemies of the gospel. There are people out there who want to destroy your faith. They want to destroy your freedom to pursue your faith, and they will stop at absolutely nothing to achieve that goal. It has happened in the last 100 years. It happened in Soviet Russia. It happened in Eastern Bloc countries. It's happened in China. It's happened in Indonesia, Vietnam, uh, North Korea. It's happened in a lot of Islamic nations today. It is very prevalent. And there's a group of people, I'm not going to say a big group of people, pretty small. And I'm not going to say, you know, they, they tend to be very progressive leftist oriented in their thinking. And what's happening is that, but these people are enemies of the gospel and they want to stop, uh, Christianity from having any influence in our society. So I want to kind of end today's podcast and series or do today's podcast to end this series. Let me say that properly, uh, with that type of warning. So, I mean, I think this warning is really important because I actually just this last weekend went to homecoming and, mm-hmm. uh, at my university that I graduated from, I was part of student government, super involved, but it's the first time I've been on a university campus that I attended since I started doing this podcast with you, since I started really thinking about things in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I have to be honest with you, it was a very different experience than what I think I would have done had I not been doing this podcast. Have I ruined you? A little bit. I mean, (laughs) you've taught me to think critically. And so one of the stories I heard while I was on campus um, and I had seen in my Facebook feed was that one of the professors has actually uh, been removed from teaching. He's under investigation because he refused to use the plural nouns that students had requested him to use. So he was fine with calling, you know, if it was a guy that presented as a guy, he would call her him him or he, her or her or, right, or she see how but confusing it yes, gets <laughs> or vice versa and he's in the theater department so we're he's constantly working with people that identify so he's very as, sensitive to this he's yeah, very uh, compassionate yes, uh, gay issues yeah. but he had one different. issue he though had one issue and he was like i will not call you they them because it's plural. You can't be a plural. He's yeah. like, you are an individual. Yeah. And that was his line, apparently, which yeah. is interesting, but that's his line. And uh, he got sued and he's put on on, on leave and they're they're filing an sanction and, all, yeah, and all yeah. different things. They all went after him. He, he, he will call a guy who thinks he's a girl a she. Yes. He'll do that, yes. but he won't call you a they or a Z yeah. or he's a like, uh. I just won't. I, you're not yeah. a plural thing. You're like, not a plural thing. You are an individual. And yeah. so he's, he said this thing. And so in his absence, they've opened a new batch of courses to replace his, what he was supposed to be teaching. Yeah. And this new teacher walks up day one and says, okay, my name is so-and-so my pronouns are she, her. And all of these students that had transferred out of his class because he was such a bigot because he yeah. wouldn't use their the preferred plural. pronouns applauded. And I'm just like, and one of my friends who's in that idea, who identifies and is fully on board with that while I was at home camp, she's like, isn't that amazing? She's telling me this story. And I'm like, 
No. Like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's like yeah. he had one line and he would say, I'm not doing this. And now he's a bigot. And because he happens to attend the Mormon church, he's a racist, religious zealot that's a bigot. And it's like, but he does all of these other things. Like, yeah. I don't understand. And so it's just like this thing where it's like, if you don't believe the exact same thing I do, you are now no longer allowed to think and yeah. we will sanction you and do all of these things to you is absolutely insane. Yeah. And on top of that, the student government offices I was working in, yes. when I went to school, yes. some of the largest offices because we had the most people trying to get people yeah. in there. The most things getting done. I mean, we are organizing all this stuff. They've been moved to a small two office suite <laughs> because the diversity and inclusion group, group needed is taken this over. thing. But you only could be in there if you were part of their group. And so I'm just like, how does this get so crazy? Yeah. I'm just like in a whole new mindset, having yeah. viewed all this stuff. And obviously a lot of this has occurred since I left university. Most of this yeah. wasn't happening when I was there. So it's been almost You left years. and it went downhill. Yeah. I, I guess <laughs> it's all I your fault, Jesse. holding the crazy together. <laughs> well, I think though, in all seriousness, there's specific ideologies that are anti-God and their goal is to eliminate God in order to rebuild society in a framework of their choosing. And the primary strategy to do this is not to propose a society without God, right? Or even a new society built on their utopian framework. Nobody stands up and says, Hey, we have this new utopian society and we're going to build it. They're not, they don't do that. The, the strategy is to deconstruct the existing society by creating social unrest and criticizing every excess that they can find. Like with this guy. I mean, this guy works in the theater department. He is super liberal socialist, you know. He's very fine with transgenderism and people who have different sexual orientations. He accommodates all of that. The only thing he won't do is say they, right? right. And yet, what is that? That is, aha! Uh -huh. And so they, they get him fired, you know, and sanctioned. And now he's suing the school as an infringement of his rights, which I hope he wins a boatload of money because this ideology is deconstructionism on display for everybody else, you know? Well, and everybody's in that same vein is everybody's for free speech as long as it's their version. So then they're, yeah. you know, you see these nudist articles that they're raising hell over his, cause he's suing based on the idea of I have free speech and can do these yeah. things. And they're like, well, free speech shouldn't apply in this situation. Da, 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 da. And it's like, but when there's riots in towns and all these other things, it is free speech. And then there's violence. Like yeah. that's like the world. The incongruence yeah. is crazy. And you know, it's interesting is that, they use this approach of deconstructionism because it's easy to do. There's no such thing as a utopian society or perfect human beings, right? So to pick out a flaw and then use that to destroy people is crazy without ever having to defend or articulate, articulate their own alternative of what they want, which is tyrannical and oppressive, by the way, they just tear down the existing society. People are very gullible and buy into all of this because they are very unhappy. They are dissatisfied and unfulfilled in their own lives. And the reason, you know, or let me put it this way, the, the, the enemies of the gospel uh, have effectively used Rousseau. And I've talked about Rousseau before in his theory of society and that you're fine. It's society that causes all of your 
problems. Right. So they've used his societal principle to convince all these people who are unhappy, dissatisfied, and unfulfilled that the reason why they are unhappy is because of society. The reason why everybody at this university in Utah, in Cedar City, is unhappy is because this guy won't use the plural pronoun when referring to somebody who wants that. Mm. That all of my anxiety and all of my depression and all of my unhappiness is because I live in a homophobic, transphobic society and, and I'm being stigmatized because you won't use my pronouns. And so, of course, this is a deception because once you get what you want, guess what? It doesn't change a thing. You're still unhappy, dissatisfied, and unfulfilled. The primary technique that they're using is postmodern deconstructionism, which is a way of thinking that is taught in public schools. It is primarily propagated by uh, unions and a lot of these organizations that write curriculums for the public school. And all of these organizations uh, that do this tend to be leftist. I'm not saying they're liberal like Democrats. I'm saying they are leftist. They're not large, but they have learned how to use the bureaucracy in their favor. And with, coupled with deconstructionism, guess what? They are gaining ground. Mm. So, I mean, one of the things I really enjoy about the Salty Pastor is how we're discovering where things come from mm -hmm. and how they're influencing society, how yes. they trickle down through that. It's sort of connecting the dots, I would say. Yeah. Um, I also enjoy how you reveal these things, you know, open our eyes and, and identify them so that we can chart a course of countering them. If we don't mm -hmm. even yeah. see them in the first place, how mm -hmm. would we even ever build up yeah. a defense or or a, a thought process against it, right? Yeah. Um, but you, you do it without demonizing groups of people or using scare tactics, which mm -hmm. politicians love to do. They, they love, love to, do to that. say, yes. those people are the devil or insert whatever religious or anti-religious belief you want, mm -hmm. and they're gonna lead you down this thing or the world's gonna end. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's both sides do it. That's the thing. It's like yeah. both sides are so bad about it, especially during presidential election years. They're mm -hmm. like, this person is the devil, the antichrist. He's going to burn the world to the ground. This person is the Messiah. He's going to save the world. You have to pick which one you think is going to do better. Right. And so it's just, it gets out of control and you don't do that. Mm -hmm. You instead say, even in the midst of the culture going sideways, yeah. we need to be people of strength, love, courage, and compassion. Mm -hmm. And I think that this podcast is really in effect, really effective in building people up in that way, rather than just trying to scare them to death and say, well, just listen to what I have to say. And I'm the only one you, yeah. you're, you're, you're constantly telling people to think for themselves. Think for yourself. The, yeah. It's not the standard response these days. Pastor. <laughs> That's I will thank you. I believe what we do here on the salty pastor. I do in particular is I call out ideologies and not people. And part of the reason for this is second Corinthians, uh, where Paul tells them, he goes, look, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, you know, these, these ideologies that are, they are actively anti-God and they are actively attempting to create a, uh, a context of thinking, right? That rejects God and wants to get rid of God. And so that is an argument and it is arrogant against the knowledge of God. And I believe I am called to use weapons of warfare that are not of this world. 
Okay. There it's not from this world. And so that's what we're doing is we're trying to call out these ideologies and these anti-God things. So instead of attacking people, I believe that we need to set aggressive priorities that make a huge difference in every person's life. Mm. Therefore, if you're a follower of Christ and a part of a church, then you need to realize some major priorities, um, you know, uh, for the church and for yourself as a Christian, you need to focus on, you need to adopt these, you know, number one is you need to be an intentional disciple maker. We need an army of followers of Christ. I don't care what a church you attend, but you can no longer sit on the sidelines and do nothing. You have to be involved in evangelism and discipleship. Every person who calls themselves a Christian should practice a principle. I call the principle of the five. And that is, you know, in January, what you do is you write down on a piece of paper, five names of five people that come to mind or you're concerned about. And then for the next year, what you do is each week you pray and or reach out to those five people. It's a very simple principle. It's not hard to do, but it's called the principle of the five. And you just reach out, oh, there's five people that I wanna care about and love, okay? And then uh, I, I also say, but you know, if you're a mom, you know, and you have little ki- children, you know, you gotta realize that your children take up some of those five, right? And so I tell moms, act moms, to practice the principle of three. And that is, is that I have three people that I wanna reach out to and care about, okay? and what happens is that when you set this as a goal over the course of a year, uh, one of those people you should introduce to Jesus, you know, mm. and here, here's, what's really fascinating is what most people do is they, they overestimate what they can do in a week or a month, but they underestimate what they can do in a year. Okay. You know? And so that's why you should be intentional disciple maker. And that is, is that the church in the United States of America can no longer sit on the sidelines when it comes to disciple making. Every follower of Christ should be finding a way to be an intentional disciple maker, just one person at a time over the course of an entire year to start. And then if it takes off and it's successful, you do two or three, you know, the second year you do it with them and you grow them and then you find another person. If that one doesn't work out, then you go to the next one, right? Because not every seed falls on good ground. The second thing is that this, and this is my warning, is that we really need as followers of Christ to recapture education. What we have done is we have outsourced it as a church. Now, this is not an admonition to go in and take over the public school system, you know, under like a a dominion theology mentality, because the bureaucratic monopoly is so strong, it is so well-funded and entrenched, there is no way to go in, in my opinion, and reform or renew it. The linchpin must be pulled in order to bring freedom, choice, liberty back into the educational process. We need to get back to a system that teaches kids, educates kids in a manner that is best for the kids. Right now, every single entity in charge of our public educational system does not have children as its primary focus. For instance, the teachers unions here in the state of Idaho, uh, it is, uh, the affiliate for the national education association. They're the ones who will, uh, uh, represent everybody and they bargain with Boise uh, school district and with West Ada. What they do is they hammer out the contracts. Okay. So they have a huge, 
their goal, and I'm not arguing that this is a bad goal, but as a union, their goal is not what's best for children. It's they're representing their employees or, or their members, which are teachers, right? Right. So that's their, that's their prime priority. They say that. Then you look at the state legislature, right? They have a lot of influence over education, right? Well, the thing is, is that who is their primary priority? It's not kids getting educated. They like that. They think it's important for long range development of the state of Idaho, but in reality, it's their, uh, the people that elect them, right? The people right. that are paying for it. And, and people tend to not like to pay for things, right? So that's not their priority. And then you look at the uh, Department of Education with the federal government, they're a bureaucracy. Educating kids is not their priority, right? Social engineering is their priority. You can mm -hmm. go and you can read what they're doing and what they're saying. Um, and, and so now you're down to a school board. It's like the school board is the last thing that reflects you. It's local, it's right here. They have kids as a priority. Well, no, they don't because so much is dictated to them by federal law and federal government and courts and stuff of what they can and can't do. Half of the job of a school board person is learning all the things that you don't have the power to do. Mm. <laughs> so you're very limited. Well, no, you can't, we can't make that decision because the union has a contract with us and we have to abide by it. So legal in those meetings, you know, and the superintendent tell the board mostly what to do. So, what I'm trying to say is that there is nobody that is advocating that we use these educational techniques, processes, and systems because they have been proven over and over again to be the best thing for the kid. So it's not child centered and that's a problem and trying to go in and reform that extremely difficult to do. We got to pull the linchpin and what we need to do is the church can no longer outsource our leadership development, the development of American citizenship to the public educational system anymore. I know that's pretty salty to say, but you have to come to the belief that the public educational system spends the majority of its time, not on developing kids, but social engineering. This is true in Idaho. And I'm going to say something that all the teachers who are listening to are really going to dislike me for this, but please send me an email about it. And that is this, is that just recently there was a statewide report that said 95% of all Idaho public school teachers are proficient in their jobs or above proficiency. All right. So in other words, they're doing everything that's being asked of them. I believe that. So teachers, you got my vote. You have my support. However, only 42% of eighth graders test at an eighth grade math level. Only 48% of eighth graders read at eighth grade level. So that is a massive discrepancy, okay? Mm. And that discrepancy means how can you say that 95% of your teachers are proficient at their job and yet only 40 some percent of students pass any muster? Okay. That tells me that it's the bureaucracy. It's these groups that are telling teachers what to do. Teachers aren't able to teach. And so how do we re reform that? I think we have to pull the linchpin out. So number one is if you're a follower of Christ, we need to be intentional at making disciples. Number two is we need to recapture education of children. We can't outsource it any longer. Number three is that we need to present a clear lifestyle choice. Followers of Jesus need to live differently. We need to be more healed, more healthy, more happy, more joyful. We have to have stronger convictions, a, a clearer sense of mission and purpose in life. That's winsomeness. 
we don't win the culture by looking like the culture. Okay. So we need to do, these are three things that we can do right now. That'll make a massive difference. Well, talk to me about, so we, we, we have these three points. I want to talk a little bit about, this is again of the church should be doing something. Yes. Idea of, we just had a pride festival here in Boise. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, should we do about that? We we had a lot of input about what we should do, yeah. but what, what is your stance on what we should do as a church or we should do as an individual? Well, you know, I don't think Foothills does it right, but let me tell you a little story about Foothills that might surprise a few people who are listeners. But in the 90s, there was a tremendous fear about HIV, right? Tremendous fear about it. And what's interesting is in 1997, uh, we hosted the first HIV conference in the Treasure Valley, mm-hmm. not just in church, but in the whole Treasure Valley, because everybody was scared about it. As a matter of fact, there were people telling their kids not to use the restrooms at school because HIV could be contacted through toilet seats. Mm. Of course, it turned out to be completely false, but there was so much fear about it and nobody really knew. Uh, And so I was like, what we need to do is we need to get as much truth out there as we can. And so we hosted that. Boy, did I get hammered by a lot of other Christian churches in town because of that. And so, but in 2001, we began giving food to all of the patients who were going to the Matthew Shepherd Clinic. It's a clinic that served people who had been infected with HIV. And so most of the people that were going to the clinic were people who had gotten it through intravenous drug use. Some got it through homosexual activity, but the majority was intravenous drug use, meaning they were passing around infected needles, right? right? And so what happened is until it closed, our church supplied those clients with clothing, with healthcare and with food when they needed it. Mm. That's what we did. Now the Boise Bride Festival was founded in 1989 and it has had a parade in downtown Boise for the last 33 years. Now I came to Boise 27 years ago in 1996 and in this entire time that I've been here, I've never once said a thing about it. And the reason why the doctrine of non-coercion, you know, it's a public road. If they want to get down there and they want to do that, um, and they want to say, we want us to celebrate who we are and we want to hang out flags. We want to do that. That's their right as Americans to do that. I don't, I'm like, because of the doctrine on coercion, I'd be glad to have a conversation with you. I've had a lot of conversations with different people. A lot of people who associate or, or identify with the LGBTQ plus community have attended our church or come to our church. And they will do that because of our outreach through the Matthew Shepard clinic and those types of things. However, this last year is the first year where they advertised a drag show for children as well as drag queen story hour where drag queens read children's books on gender transitioning, same sex relationships, uh, sexual fulfillment, even masturbation to little kids. And when this happens, you've completely lost me. You've completely lost me. And I know many gay and lesbian adults feel the exact same way that I do. It's like, whoa. And I played a clip from a gal who was a lesbian advocate for her rights. And she says, if I would have known that it would have led to this, I never would have done it. I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, and I'm shocked about what's happening in our medical community right now. 
I, I have an article here about um, there's doctors here in town. And uh, yes, I will actually call them out. This is Dr. Kelly uh, Pennings, and she is a GP in Meridian. And then there is an endocrinologist by the name of Dr. Daniel Flynn. Maybe they're nice people. I don't know. But they wrote an op-ed uh, in the Idaho... Um, uh, let me get this right. It is in the Idaho Capital Sun. And they are opposed to House Bill 675, which basically said, we want to limit these gender treatments to, uh, that they're doing on children. Now, once a kid turns 18, they can do whatever they want. But if they're a kid, you can't give them puberty blockers, okay? And you can't do surgeries. You can't do mastectomies on girls when they're 15 years old because mm. they don't know. You know, they're not, they, they can't give consent because they don't know what they're consenting to. And these two doctors said that, uh, studies have shown that denying anyone gender affirming health care is damaging regardless of their age and depression and suicide rates are significantly higher among transgendered and gender diverse youth that are denied access to gender affirming care. That is a flat out lie. That is a flat out lie. The science all says the exact opposite. So I am calling them out. Show me one study that proves that because all the studies out there, particularly among kids say the exact opposite. How do I know that? Well, here's another article. Uh, it's called the slow motion trans wreck. And this is what it says. And I quote the adverse effects of, uh, puberty blockers create in children who, when you give it to them, lone bone density, psychological problems, and potentially, uh, oh, potentiality per a, 2022 FDA warning now, okay? The FDA is warning that it can also cause a pseudotumor cerebri, which is a condition which can cause brain swelling, headaches, nausea, double vision, and permanent loss of vision. Across the Atlantic, as of August 22, 2022, the UK's Tavistock Center, this is the number one gender transitioning clinic in the world. It is going to be sued in a class action lawsuit from over a thousand families of children who went to their clinic and were prescribed puberty blockers. Meanwhile, in Sweden, their National Board of Health and Welfare released in February of 2022 new guidelines on transgender medicine recommending that doctors do not prescribe puberty blockers. So the science says the exact opposite. And yet we have doctors here in the Treasure Valley, an endocrinologist and a general practitioner saying that we must provide this care. I think it's important for the people in the Treasure Valley to know who they are. It is Dr. Kelly Pennings and it is Dr. Daniel Flynn. And if you're a physician and you're a doctor and you're a follower of Christ, I think it's imperative that you say, this is not science. This is not the gold standard of care that's happening here. And it's inside the medical community, right? Board certified doctors. Okay. Somebody needs to speak out against this insanity. And I'm hoping that people will be courageous and strong, rational and scientific in what they are doing. So that's pretty scary stuff, but I want to call it out and I want to bring it to people's attention. We are very uh, open and very kind and compassionate towards anything that anybody is going through. But to your pain is being preempted by a small group of people 
right? With ideological drives that is mutilating children. Okay. And we have to say that's enough. And me opposing that doesn't mean I'm dehumanizing you. It doesn't mean that I am have any type of anger or animosity towards you. Quite the opposite. What I'm trying to do is say, stop being used. What you're dealing with as an adult to force our society to adopt stuff that is mutilating our children. That is absolutely ridiculous. Those are some very strong thoughts, Pastor. I want to give you an opportunity as we're a little over time, but any final closing thoughts that you want to share with us as we round out this series? <laughs> well, I think the best thing to do is, is say, look, the secret sauce that made America America is basic Christian values of Christianity or the basic values of Christianity. I shouldn't say that in a redundant way. The proof of this is the attempt to copy and paste the Constitution into other countries and nations. Many countries and many nations have just basically tried to copy and paste with our constitution and it's mm -hmm. never, ever worked. The most recent failure is Iraq, Iraq. It didn't work. Right. Right. The exact same constitution. Boom. Copy paste doesn't work. Why is that? Well, because of Christianity, that is a secret sauce. And there are groups and ideologies that are expressly anti-God. They are anti-Christian and they all come from the basic Marxist ideology. They come out of the Frankfurt School of Social Theory. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it is important to note that these people, small group that they are, is opposed to you. Don't get paranoid and think that everybody who disagrees with you or votes differently than you is a part of this group and is opposed to you. View everybody as a future family member yes. in the kingdom of God, right? But at the same time, be wise enough to realize there are small groups of ideologically driven people who view you as an enemy and will do anything to eradicate your viewpoint, your lifestyle, and your faith from ever being seen or recognized in this world. The media is not on your side. Journalism is not on your side. Public education is not on your side. We uh, have been told that in the last days, we are to be alert and sober. So if the, you learned anything from my political Jesus, my hope and prayer is to think for yourself and to be called the people of God, alert and sober in the last days. Thank you, Pastor, so much for sharing all of these amazing ideas and thoughts that we can take to our friends, to our families, and really discuss and really understand what we believe, why we believe it, and what they believe and why they believe it. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to spark so many conversations. We're heading into Thanksgiving, so some of them may not be healthy um, feeling at the beginning, but I think having these conversations, you know, that's one of the things people don't talk about is religion and politics at the Thanksgiving table, but Sometimes you got to have the hard conversation, right? Sometimes Pastor? you have to. So we encourage you guys to have those hard conversations, even if you're afraid, because the only thing way you're going to get things better and understand yourself and your mm -hmm. friends and your family better is to have the hard conversation. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on Sunday as we wrap up my political Jesus here at Foothills Christian Church. <laughs> Blessings. <laughs>